Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. This summer, I, uh, I worked through Dostoevsky's book, Crime and Punishment, um, sort of famous, famous book in, of Russian literature. And, uh, and in the very opening act, uh, the lead character, who is a law student but is, is steeped in, in crippling poverty, uh, has to once again go to this, this crooked old pawnbroker lady uh, and ask for more money, and he's just broken by all of it when he has this insight one day uh, that if he kills her, uh, and steals her stuff that, um, you know, that, that he'd, be, he'd be better off, that he'd be well off, that he wouldn't have to struggle in poverty. But also he begins to rationalize and, and believe that, uh, well, the world would actually be better off without her, that she's so crooked and so wicked that I'd be doing the world a favor. And he rationalizes it. In the very first act of the book, um, he actually goes through it. He kills this lady. Um, and, and then the book is, is really a, a process uh, from there uh, of him wrestling with and grappling with this thing that he's done. And, and the irony is that in this, this rather large novel, uh, that all the way through he doesn't, actually, um, he doesn't actually get caught, that he doesn't face punishment for his crime, really. But what we see is the psychological pain that he's in as he's tortured by this thing, that, that the punishment for him all the way through is actually him wrestling with the grief and the guilt and the shame of what he's done. And that is, is his punishment. And at the very end, in the last page of the book, um, spoiler alert, although the novel's 150 years old, so I think we're okay. Um, but on the last page of the book, he actually, in, in this eruption, this surprise eruption, confesses it to the police. And, and, and in that moment, at the very end, at the last page of the book, he actually finds freedom, where he's released from carrying the burden of this thing. Uh, and so his punishment was carrying it in, and him going into jail, confessing this thing for him, is actually freedom. Um, last week, we, we started our Practical Fridays, uh, which we want to focus on spiritual disciplines. We want to focus on, on, on how we can actually create these conduits, these opportunities to encounter God. And, and, and last week, we talked about adoration, prayers of simply adoring God. Uh, and hopefully, you got a little taste of that as well uh, this week in Ephesians. Um, uh, but this week, we want to take the next step in, in uh, a formula that I really appreciate called Acts Prayer, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We'll get to the last two over the next couple of weeks, but today I want to focus on confession. Uh, what we saw in, in Dostoevsky's uh, novel was about um, the need for confession to actually bring freedom uh, and release um, in confession, what we do, uh, actually as Christians, in confession is we make war on our sinning, acknowledging that we have work to do. Um, in 1 John uh, 1, 8 and 9, it says this about confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, so there's an acknowledgement that all of us have sin. Uh, and if you say that you don't have anything to confess, well, then that's pride. And there you go. Start with that. Uh, and he says, but in our confession, there, there, there's healing that actually comes when we confess. Psalm 32.5, um, the author says, I acknowledge my sin to you. and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin 
sorrow, confession begins with sorrow. It begins with an acknowledgement of wrongdoing, but it ends in joy. So there's something, um, there's something that, that brings life and freedom in the process of confession. It doesn't start there. It starts with pain, but it ends with joy. And I think this this true repentance, this confession, requires that we open the bad up in our lives to God. We invite Him in and to come and take a look at our sin with us. Um, And so there needs to be this humble acknowledgement where where God knows it's there, and maybe we want to ignore it and push it off. Uh, We want to rationalize it, excuse it. We want to blame, whatever it is. But but true confession, I think, is, is acknowledging coming before that and opening the door for God to just come and look at it, to expose it. And it reminds me of the, the, the really popular hoarder TV shows. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really interesting psychological study as you look at these, at these people who struggle with, with, with hoarding. And to invite a stranger in to this, this thing that's usually hidden behind closed doors, this shameful secret that's hidden of this hoarding mess, and to invite not only a stranger but also a camera crew and the public in. And there are these moments as, as they're walking the camera crew in that you can just you can picture the shame of being exposed, of, of acknowledging this is who I am, this is what I've done, of, of, of realizing perhaps even in that moment that this isn't normal, that this is a... a, a sort of aberrant behavior. Uh, and I think confession is like that. It's, it's acknowledging a desire to change and, and, and embracing the shame and the sorrow and allowing God to walk into these places in our lives. Um, St. Uh, Alphonsus Liguori said there's three steps to confession. Number one is an examination of our conscience to come under the gaze of God. And so you can picture that's opening the door and inviting God into our mess. Not trying to hide it from Him, not trying to ignore it, but inviting Him into the mess and saying, come and explore. The second step is sorrow, an abhorrence at having offended the heart of God. Again, it's not rationalizing, it's not excusing, it's, it's actually sorrow for the state that things are in and acknowledging that it breaks God's heart, that Jesus had to die on the cross for those things, to, to actually be broken by the brokenness and the mess in our lives. And then the third step is a determination to avoid sin, where we must desire to be conquered and ruled by God, and if not, a desire to desire it. So... Uh, seeing the mess, acknowledging it, feeling, feeling grief over it, being despondent about it, but then also having desire to, to do something different, to replace it, to clean it up, and to not have it happen again. And so in confession, it's an invitation for God to examine and renovate our lives. And I think there's also something to um, perhaps... Our, Within our daily routines, um, I think often we ask God to fix our circumstances. Leave the inside alone and just fix on, work on the outside for me, God. Fix my circumstances, the external. And in confession, it's actually saying, no, maybe the external is forcing me into this moment where I'm inviting God internally to do an internal work. And maybe the mess on the outside, the drama in my life, these broken relationships, these systems, this unhealthy stuff around me, maybe it's a, a symptom of something going on inside. And so it's, it's saying, 
acknowledging this is a mess outside, but God, come inside and let's work at the core, the core issues. Maybe God is trying to use those circumstances to get our attention to work on the inside and bring us to a place of confession, of acknowledging our wrongdoing, our part in these broken systems. And so um, there's lots of different ways of of approaching this, um, but one I want to encourage us to try uh, as a discipline uh, here today is is to enter into a sort of process of a confession with God, uh, but working through the, um, the, the sort of the steps of the, the seven deadly sins. It's not an exhaustive list. Um, it's a very old list. It comes actually from the fifth century. Um, but I, I think it's a helpful place to start. Uh, of Imagine uh, in prayer uh, later when we're done, uh, spending some time in, in quiet in a place that's undistracted, and imagine bringing God into the rooms in your heart. Imagine bringing Him, opening your door, inviting Him in, um, and exposing it all. And, and as, you, as you walk Him through the house, um, you're looking for some specific things. The first is you're looking around to see if there's any pride. That's the first of the seven deadly sins. Any spot where you put yourself above someone else, where you think you're, you're better than, where you, you have this pride, this... This uh, I am better than exaltation. Are there any? Are there any of those places in your life? Are there any of those spots that need to be cleaned up and exposing it to God, being broken over it, and then replacing? And that's the thing with with repentance in particular. It's not just being sad about something, but it's turning away from something towards something else. And so when we see these these areas of pride in our life, and God might bring up something at work or perhaps at church, or perhaps in your family, where there's this judgment in your life over someone else, where, where God needs to not only humble you over that, but, but also replace that with humility in your life in those areas. So you clean up the pride and you replace it, pray for humility in its place. So the first is pride. The second is greed. Any spot where we have an insatiable desire for more. It's their greed. And you replace greed with the virtue of charity. How about lust? The third deadly sin is lust. Um, and lust is like using other people for your own pleasure. And, and we replace lust with chastity. Envy. Envy is dismissing what you have and, and, and feeling the need to get something that someone else has. And we replace envy with gratitude. With gluttony. Gluttony is number five. Gluttony is this lack of control in our life, of, of excess. We replace gluttony with temperance. Sixth is wrath, where we demand our way, where our anger gets the best of us. We fight for ourselves in unhealthy ways. And we, we replace wrath with patience. And finally, sloth, which is this inactivity in our life, an apathy. We replace sloth with the virtue of diligence. So I want to invite you to take this discipline today. Um, Don't put it off too long because you'll forget about it, but carve out some time today, even if it's on a lunch break. Carve out some time today to bring God in, invite Him into these places in your life, 
Acknowledge that there are things. No, going in, there are things in this list that you need to confess, that you need to expose to God to be grieved over and to replace instead with a virtue. Allow him in. You, you can Google the seven deadly sins or you can go back and, and jot down the notes again or um, I can repeat them. Uh, the seven deadly sins are, are pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. Allow God to, to explore your life. And when you come across, don't, don't feel like you have to get through the whole list. Maybe you, maybe you just spend time in pride and that's it. And God has enough work to do cleaning up that spot starting... Um, but allow God to walk through and begin this process of confession because as we let go, there's freedom in confession. God knows it's there. You're not hiding it from him. It's no secret. But there's something about this release that we saw even even in, in crime and punishment. The freedom came actually with the confession, with letting it go and turning towards something new. So please, spend some time walking humbly with God today in confession. Let's pray. God, we, we acknowledge that we are sinners saved only by grace. There but by the grace of God we go. And you want to make us into your image. You want to knock off these rough edges. You want to purge out the sin so that we can walk in fullness. We see that in Ephesians over and over that you want fullness of life for us. And so I pray that we would do this difficult work, this sorrowful work of confession that ends in joy. Give us the, um, the discipline to do it acknowledging, God, that we are not you and there are things in our life that we always have to work on and help us um, not to ignore that, to push it off, to excuse it. But we want your sanctification. We want to look more like you. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, I know I'm, I'm thankful for the grace of God and the patience of God who works with us in these things. So go in grace. Have a good weekend.